Welcome to Six in the Mix. Yo, when this flock comes to talk, pull a chair and prepare. We have six in the mix. When we speak, it's unique. Varied views, no excuse for the news to be void of some fun and the truth. Word. We are a band of brothers who met and bonded in college. After starting families and branching out across the United States, we are coming back together to strengthen our relationships through the podcast platform. We call ourselves Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. Welcome to episode 24. We're a full six in the mix. Always want to encourage you to drop comments and topic suggestions on our Facebook page, Six in the Mix Podcast, or on our Twitter page at Six in the Mix Pod. So guys, it's been a couple weeks since we've connected on the podcast. A lot has happened, whether you want to go Super Bowl or whether you want to talk about impeachment or talk about Mandalorian. Uh, what's uh, what's going on in your, your, uh, your guys' minds, thoughts about I'm going to interrupt you and just say, I know that we're going to get to this at some point in calling your shot, but this guy right here called Tampa Bay all the way back when we were doing that. Yeah. I love Uh, Tom Brady for that. Tampa Bay. Hoorah for S. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. What do you say, Ryan? Huh? (laughs) Point for Jer. Yeah. Right. Who did you pick, Ryan? Well, as a friend of Jeremy, I am happy for him. I want your face to re- doesn't look happy. You're not even smiling. With those that rejoice, I did pick the Chiefs back in the day, and I want to congratulate you. I'm going to do my best not to bring up the fact that Mahomes was injured and without his two tackles. That might have You've had something to, to do with the result. Me. But I, I'll try not to bring that up. Come on, Mahomes played his 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 heart out. This they still couldn't win. I mean, I blame that more on the rest of the team than Mahomes. Mahomes did everything he could. Yeah, he was he was, he was Superman. A, he was unbelievable. That was fun to watch his performance alone. Yeah, I I agree. I think Jeremy paid the refs off too. <laughs> hey, yeah, that, it takes to there win. was a, rivalry. A couple suspect calls for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. prelude to fix your eyes with rivalries. Yeah. Hang tight for that. <laughs> the crazy the crazy thing. I feel like Mahomes is more accurate throwing bullets. 40 yards down the field from a horizontal position as he's falling to the ground with two defensive linemen on him. I feel like he's more accurate throwing from that position than Kirk Cousins is standing up uh, with a breeze in his face. <laughs> oh, wow. Ethan, easy. Wow. Easy on, on my Super Bowl I'm pick. just saying. Easy. Wow. I'm just saying. Come on, man. It's true, you, though. He had some saying. phenomenal throws laying out like that. I he, he threw a laser to that tight end that hit him in the face mask, and he dropped it <laughs> at like 30 yards. And he and his arm was six inches off the ground. Yeah. That was unbelievable. Perfect spiral. It reminded, it reminded me of the days when we were playing PDR at Jeremy's in Ohio during Thanksgiving breaks. And, uh, and it reminded me a little bit of Ryan. Oh, wait. No, that wasn't Ryan. Never mind. <laughs> I was getting all excited. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember being Terrell Owens back in the day. But. Well, actually, actually, if you flip it and you say that you were the tight end who got hit in the in the chops with the ball and dropped it, then maybe that's probably reminding me of you. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that's right. Wasn't it you, Ryan, that put the uh, put the free throw up and then got it lodged in between the uh, rim and the backboard during a game? 
That was it, special. It was not a free throw. Wasn't I was, it? I was yanked You're onto right. the team. You're and right. I had no legs. I had no conditioning. I was trying to get a jump shot off. And yeah, it just lodged. So I, I apologize for that. You were if, yanked if you Yahoos had stopped going to the movie theaters, I wouldn't have to call <laughs> off out of the minor <laughs> leagues. Hey, right. went to the movie theaters and little... confessed it. Was not going to hold it back, but oh... Yeah, it won't speak think, for the rest of the team. I think it was between Ryan and Doc Crane, and, and we chose Ryan to join the team. But <laughs> we, we were down to like our last. <laughs> it was we Doc Crane. Doc Crane really had options. Yeah, didn't he have two oh. broken wrists at the time too from the bicycle accident? It was about that time. <laughs> yeah, but he was like six four. He probably could have paid, played a mean wing. I think. Crane. So, <laughs> Anyway, from the Super Bowl to Pillsbury basketball to any other things happened in the last couple of weeks. Boy, did you see that Mandalorian story? I was that was pretty amazing. I uh, when I saw it happen, I I had heard about this happening prior, like weeks before, and it never did. So I was I was kind of hoping as time went on that it would not become a story. But sure enough, they dropped it. They had to get rid of this gal because. Because she of her of her right wing views on Twitter, and uh, but then as soon as the Daily Wire hook uh, picked right. her up, man, that was yep. fantastic. Because I as soon as that happened, I canceled Disney and and uh, subscribed to Daily Wire. Yeah, have you guys seen? They've got some. They're starting like an entertainment um, arm of their uh, yeah. of their you know programming offerings too. I've I've heard that Run Hide Fight is uh, is a pretty intense movie. Yeah, I would uh, highly, that. highly recommend that flick. That is an awesome. I, I, I saw it and would not recommend watching it with your children. But, uh, but yeah, oh man, it is a powerful, powerful flick. Yeah, so hopefully she does some great things with them. That's for sure. Ryan, you have a question? Yeah, I. What's a Mandalorian anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, get off of Facebook crying out loud. I can't believe you're still sh- supporting that left-wing commie rag. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> just, just a reminder, if you have comments or suggestions, go to our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast. Oh, wait a sec. <laughs> no, that's actually where I heard about that story. I just, I'm just not that familiar with Mandalorian. It sounds like she's, uh, from what I've seen on the story, she's a lead actress who's uh, pretty, pretty tough, pretty athletic. I, I don't. I, I'm not that familiar with her or the Mandalorian, obviously. But yeah, totally disagree with what happened to her. It's just, it's just a sad state where we're headed. Yeah, she's a former MMA fighter, and uh, just kind of fell into acting here, trying to get another career going. And it's working out pretty well for her. Yeah, it's wild. I think, uh, I think Ben Shapiro was talking about how the main actor in the Mandalorian had very similar. Very similar tweets, even to a, a stronger, uh, like a stronger focus using like the Holocaust or actually using a wrong picture to say we were doing illegal things at the border with kids. Uh, but because it's more, it's much more on the, the radical left, that was probably praised. Um, and she says something that, you know, maybe is not the best correlation, but nowhere near what he asserted. And and she's wiped clean off off of Disney and everything there. And he's he can go on. It's 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 crazy. Double standard. Did you see all, any of the uh, the uh, impeachment trials? And man, I couldn't believe some of the uh, uh, way the Democrats had altered some of the uh, evidence that they submitted. That was 
unbelievable. That that was unbelievable. And that interview with Trump's lawyer that I saw today or yesterday, whenever that came out, that was that was fantastic. And it just it was an opportunity on a mainstream news outlet for the anchor who was asking the question and making light of doctoring the evidence to be confronted and lectured on truth. Mm-hmm. That was that was so well appreciated, at least in this household. And I hope it's a bit of a wake up call. I don't know if you guys remember, but one thing I said, I hope we see more of in 2021 is truth. I hope truth gets revealed. And I hope and he's right. He's not saying, hey, I'm a right wing person. And because this this was a move against a right wing president, whatever he was saying, I see it on both sides. I watch one channel. It's sunny. I watch another channel. It's rainy. This is this is not helping the American people. You all in the media need to find the truth, identify the truth, and not slant your questions in a different way. And wouldn't that be so nice if our media folks were in the business of just asking objective questions and finding truth for themselves? But by and large, we don't have that. So we've got a speaker in our our church who is um, doing a conference on postmodernism and post-truth. And today we heard about the cancel culture and where that came from and this idea of no absolute truth. And he was he, his premise was basically this. I'll make it really short, was that if there are no absolutes, then everybody has to come to some kind of individual truth, which we see, which is kind of inbred in you based on worldview. So wherever your worldview sits will determine your ethics, your morals, your spiritual, you know, in, engagement, your your um, answer to the big questions: uh, Is there God? Who am I? What's my purpose? All these types of things. And his point was this: In today's culture, there is no truth, and everybody comes up with their truth. But it's worse than that. What they do is they read or they watch, particularly in our media and other places, and hear something that their ears like and turn that into their truth. And when that becomes their truth, they believe it and they want everybody else to be tolerant of that, except when it's not truth and they're challenged on that, that's when basically the cancel culture, you know, eliminates them from whatever, you know, whatever position or job or whatever they were in. And I, I thought, man, this this snowball just is is just started. This is it's just gonna get bigger and bigger. And you know, who's in the crosshairs? I would argue everybody. There are some, I think, real problems with ministries and pastors and other people who could, you know, suffer greatly because of that. Thought it was just a great thought uh and one that has really pricked my uh my conscience and my thinking. And he, he, you know, of course, he he goes to Matthew and he says, "Okay, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the earth. Don't lose your savor and don't hide your light. And put it in our bushel. The world will hate that contrast initially, but they will be absolutely drawn to it because it is there. And so, uh, as we consider some of this cancel culture thing, uh, to not live in a spirit of fear, uh, but one in great confidence in the fact that Christ has the power over everything. And uh, anyway." So, yeah, to add to your comments, Ryan, there you go. And and you know what's scary, Jeremy, is that the folks that we would like to rely on the most to help us through these things are really some of the biggest culprits. We have never seen emerging 
of this type of approach and worldview, if you want to call it that, like we're seeing with government currently and big tech. I mean, th- those are those are monstrous institutions with a lot of power behind them. And that's what's spooky to me. And if they're buying into that, yeah, that doesn't bode well for an unsuspecting world. All right. Well, I think we're I think we're recapped on some of the uh, some of the recent events since we uh, took the the week off for uh, the Super Bowl. So uh, that was good stuff. Going to turn it over to Ethan. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's good to be back together with you. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to do today, since we are recording on Valentine's weekend, was to be able to just share a little bit of the story of our lives and how we met our wives. You know, when I look at scripture, one of the things that we see uh, over and over again is instances where people build memorials to acts of God, things that he has done as a reminder. Um, In some passages of scripture, they call it Ebenezer Stones. Um, You see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob do it in in numerous places in the children of Israel. Uh, But they functioned as just ways and reminders of how God has worked. And I think knowing you guys the way I do, I think each of you uh, would join me in being reminded and wanting to be reminded of God's faithfulness in providing us mates, mothers of our children, best friends, people that God uses to really challenge and shape us uh, in our wives. And so um, let's just take a few minutes and maybe share a little bit of each of our stories of maybe how we met our wives, some of the highlights of dating, funny stories, or whatever that looks like, um, whatever you want to include, how you proposed or, or anything like that, um, things you're thankful for, some of, the, some of the most significant ways that God's blessed you through your wife. So I thought it only appropriate maybe that we start and go in uh, order from those who have been married the longest to the most recent, which lets me go last. So um, I, I don't think, I think Don was the oldest. So I'll, I'll toss it off to Don and then we'll go from there. So my wife and I met in high school and uh, at uh, Fourth Baptist Christian School in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, we uh, met uh, in yeah junior high and actually in eighth grade. And she, we were always kind of close. We had a significant love hate relationship, you could say. Um, and so we had a, quite a turbulent uh, high school career, you could call it. Boy, I I can I'm, I gotta be careful because man, if she ever listens to this, I could be in so much trouble. But because you hear one story, it's hers, and my story is it's mine, you know. So it's a and, and to this day, we still it, it'll still get us you know get us all going. So, but uh, yeah, we were uh, we. We tried to start, we, we thought about dating, you know, being boyfriend and girlfriend in like in ninth grade. And uh, then it just, it just didn't work out. I find happened to get a girlfriend. She, it, I was kind of upset with her because it wasn't really going the way I wanted to. She just wanted to be friends. So, um, so yeah, we, boy, we had a, uh, Boy, a love-hate relationship during that that time. And I actually went like a year and a half without speaking to her. Uh, we, we didn't speak to each other hardly at all. And our lockers were right next to each other, the our entire uh, high school, you know, in school. And so, you know, we'd see each other every morning every, before we go home. And we wouldn't say a word to each other. It was just this icy awful, uncomfortable feeling, right? Um, well, this is starting off well. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it, but uh, our our uh, our senior trip, um, 
uh, when, you know, the seniors go off on a trip uh, the last week of the year and uh, we had a kind of a big, uh, a big talk kind of made up. It was kind of nice. And then about two years into college, my uh, after we graduated from high, uh, high school, we, we started dating, never looked back. So, yeah, 20 years later, we're we're still going. So she's still convinced. She's still waiting for the day. She's going to like, you're going to stop talking to me for a year and a half or something like that. She's still waiting for that. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we've, uh, I've known her for, we've known each other. We, we know each other so well. It's, 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 it's kind of scary, but, um, at the same time, it's, it's, uh, it's been an incredible journey. So thanks Don. That's good. Quite the, quite the journey from not talking outside of a lock next lockers next to each other to, uh, yeah, 20 years of marriage and two kids. And yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, let's see. I think if my memory's right, I think Jeremy's next. Is that right? I think so. So Amber and I met in college and, uh, kind of a unique story. It, it was, it was in the fall. Uh, I want to say my junior year and, I was working on staff as I think maintenance. <clears throat> we were doing some some project right in front of the girls' dorm, and so it was a con- it was a concrete job. And um, I remember we finished the job um, just just after uh, dinner was was served in the dining hall, and so we all ran over there trying to get to get in line. We got in line, and I was standing with some of you guys. I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was a couple of you guys. And she was right behind me. And I actually stepped back or we bumped into each other or something. And I turned around and I said, Hey, excuse me. I'm sorry. And, uh, I said, I'm, I'm Jeremy. And she said, I'm Amber. And I said, well, it's nice to meet you. And she was a freshman. And, uh, I, she said something about her. Um, she was talking to her friends and she had just broken up with her boyfriend and, and I was still kind of half engaged with her conversation, kind of half engaged with some other conversation. So I, I just said to her, Hey, I'm sorry to hear that. And I had just recently um, had a relationship um, dissolve. And so I said to her, look, here's the deal. When you're 80 and in a nursing home and I'm 80 in a nursing home and we're sitting there together, I said, I'll ask you to marry me and uh, we'll get married in the nursing home. That was the first thing I said to her. I didn't even I didn't even know she existed until like second semester during the lion, the witch in the wardrobe that some of you all were in. Uh, there at Pilly. And uh, so, yeah, we, we met there. And then it was actually through Ethan and some of his friends that we kind of we kind of um, interacted a little bit further. And uh, yeah, dated for about a year, engaged for a year and then got married. So uh, we met at college. Um, she was from Wisconsin. I was from Phoenix. So obviously college brought us together and uh, it's been a blessing ever since. Jeremy, what quick question? Yeah, what what do you think led you to 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 say that? I have in no, line about like eighty years old and in a nursing home. I'll ask that. I have no idea, and I was trying to think back to that conversation. I'm like, I wasn't even i I just heard her say something like that. But I think it had to have been that I was still a little bit perturbed about the ending of my relationship. That I was willing to kind of just say things, and I I that's what came out. And she'll corroborate that story to this day. We both know we both had that conversation. And then we we didn't even talk at all. We had no clue who each other were, really, until the spring. 
And anyway, it was it was during the play that I started to uh, kind of want to get to know her a little bit better. And we did. And yeah, rest is history. But I have no idea why I said that. No well, way to com- way to commit at 80. Really? Yeah, 80? I know. Oh, I know. Wow. Non- boy, took, a, took a step of a leap of faith there, boy. I tell you, oh, you I was really, really put yourself yeah. out there. The prime years of your life. <laughs> 80. <laughs> Didn't want to give up the young years of my life, apparently. Yeah. Wow. Oh, goodness. I do. I think I was with you when you said that to her. Uh, and, and I remember I remember that year having multiple conversations with her. I became good friends with her before you did. Right. And I, yeah, I, I remember having I remember having multiple conversations with her and then eventually with you where I was. I, I just I knew you guys are pretty close to perfect for each other. You guys yeah. should really consider this uh, as no as being a friend who knew both of you. Yeah, it was it was crazy. but. Yeah, don't don't know why God brought that specific instance to uh, for us to meet, but that's how it went down. So that was kind of fun. At least I didn't, you know, have a locker next to her and not speak to her for a long time. Now that that's you know, I don't have that cold of a story. So you just you just didn't talk to her for six months on our campus of how many people? Right, right. Well, I wasn't the the uh, dark Cupid up there, Don, who you know <laughs> was firing arrows on purpose but yeah anyway yeah it's it was great i mean we our friend groups kind of got together and it was you know it was it was good because you know one thing that i that we really cherished in our relationship is that we were we had time to be friends you know it was just this kind of time that was casual friends for a, a, a while and it was uh that kind of helped i think settle maybe her down and me down too with just making some really really lifelong choices and kind of reevaluating what relationships are like and what what you should do and what you shouldn't do and who you should date and who you shouldn't and all those things but uh yeah it was uh, just <laughs> one of those crazy conversations. Yeah, friends. What did they call it? Friends with benefits, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my oh, goodness, I do. I do have such a fond memory of your wedding, uh, Jeremy. In that we were playing basketball the night before, and I proceeded to just blow my ankle out to the point that I couldn't get it in yeah. my shoe to walk couldn't down. Couldn't even walk down the next day. And how ironic! <laughs> I think it was at your wedding that I blew my ankle. In a game Whoa. of basketball, or maybe it was some some other thing that we were playing, or maybe it was football. I think it was I think it was PDR we were we were doing, and yeah, I maybe. I hurt my ankle. So what a, whatever that was, but yeah, Buttermilk Creek Park, man. I remember you just absolutely in pain, and I'm like, oh man, Amber's yeah. gonna kill me for killing this guy. Couldn't <laughs> even walk down the aisle uh, straight. That was a <laughs> that's that, that that's was right. Long... Didn't you just? Didn't you just shuffle in through the side door, Ethan? Like no, I, I was. I came no, down he the was aisle. going to. He was Did going he? to, but he must. Yeah, we that talked out. about that. Wow, yeah, I, I couldn't I, tie my I shoe. Think, yeah. I think I carried him down the aisle. <laughs> well, <laughs> right, you and who you else? Might have, you might have carried a picture of me down the aisle, but I don't think you were carrying me down the aisle. Yeah, all eighty-five pounds of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know we know your ability to carry anything over the over the weight of about sixty-five pounds is is limited, especially after your and I experience working at the furniture outlet uh, the summer after we graduated. We we all know that didn't work out so well. Well, that no, would take that, a whole podcast in itself to share that, that was, story. But yeah, we, that was not a match made in heaven. Unlike my <laughs> uh, love story coming up. Oh man. <laughs> Crazy. Well, good. Thanks, Jeremy. That's good. Now, I can't remember Matt or Ben who was next. I know that you guys were really close. Was it the same summer? 
I think, Matt's, got, I think Matt's got me by they, a year, I think. By yeah. a year, okay. Yeah. yeah, so, well, what Jeremy and you guys brought up is interesting. That have to be a topic for another conversation or another podcast is uh, wedding stories, because I think we definitely have wedding stories to fill up a couple podcasts. Uh, so <laughs> oh, I think man. dating will lead, kind of like fix your eyes, goes from you know salvation to, uh, you know, sanctification um i think we'll lead from like love story into what did the wedding look like and how did we enjoy that but um yeah so casey and i met similar to jeremy and amber uh met at uh at pillsbury Uh, i was a senior actually and casey came in as a freshman and so this was interesting because i had no intention of doing yeah i'd made it three years and i was good um, and I was like, I wasn't going to look to, to get anything going, you know, didn't know where, what, uh, what had happened or what was going to happen after graduating, but, but definitely wasn't looking for, for anything there. And, um, this gal from New York came on campus and kind of similar to Jeremy didn't, you know, didn't really take notice uh, at all, but, uh, for whatever reason, like her, when, when they were choosing colleges or looking for a college for her to go to they had the uh, they had a video that was sent to them of our college thing. And I was a student body president the year before. And so I was in this video and her dad said, yeah, that's a guy you really should get to know <laughs> this guy. So so she kind of had you know, at least me in, in, in mind um, or at least knew who I was initially. And uh, it was interesting because she came in. Uh, her boyfriend moved to Minnesota as well and went to like a more uh, more Pentecostal college up in the cities. And so our first real interaction was she came up to me because I was student body president. She had a question about speaking in tongues and said, hey, can you help me understand what's going on? Because I feel like we're not in agreement on this. And I, I want to know what the Bible says. And so I think the first time we were over at the girls dorm and uh, just kind of walked through what did scripture say about speaking in tongues. And, um, and then she came up ended up coming up to family Baptist, uh, to do ministry. Uh, to, so we did that together and yeah, we kind of, we kind of dated on again, off again. Uh, but I think that the key thing that, that helped me understand that she was definitely the one that, uh, that I needed, um, was that she was just very, very persistent about, uh, drawing attention back to, back to God. And she had a phrase, she would always say, it's all about him. And that was something that just stuck with me. And there was times in my uh, college, you know, even in college and after college that that phrase, I really needed that. I needed someone to draw me, draw my focus back. And it always it it always ended up being her. Um, And so God was just uh, kind of unique in that. And so, yeah, a couple of years after I think graduated, we we got married in in May of 2003 and uh, be coming up uh, on 18 years uh, this May. So five kids later. And yeah, it's been a wild time. So tell us more about this uh, tongue thing going on between you and her. What, what was that? I, I, I missed that. that was gonna, that's, I find that a little ironic that, oh, speaking in tongues? Oh, yeah, First question Virginia, out huh? of the hatch. <laughs> <laughs> the, the conversation the conversation was had in the open in the wide open at pillsbury so like no shenanigans there it was just all study of the good book a lot of things happened in the wide open on that campus <laughs> that were very very questionable so i don't know if i can buy that no this, this was completely above board done uh we were, it was all good study study of the of the good word for sure ask casey well, that's good. Thanks for sharing, Matt. Good to remember uh, and to rejoice with you, uh, Ben. Then we'll go Ryan, and then I'll finish this up. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think what I'm going to say here that Don's going to pull out and question me about at the end of it. <laughs> I know. I got a lot of good over there. He's just waiting. I got a lot of good stuff on bed, man. Yeah, I think I'm dead meat no matter what I say. But <laughs> yeah, so um, Jill and I, we, we grew up uh, in the same church, actually, at Grace in, in Oatana. And her, her mom was my elementary music teacher at, at – uh, during school. And so we kind of knew each other a little bit that way. She was a few years younger than I was. So she probably hung out a little bit more with um, Bernie's class or he was on the pod a few weeks ago. And uh, anyway, uh, getting into high school, I was an Awana leader at church and her younger brother was in my Awana class. And so um, we it ended up that my um, college roommate and I, uh, John Kitchens, we would go over to the Cahoon house after um, after Awana at night and play video games with, with Jill's little brother, Tim. And so we did that for many weeks. And, you know, I think uh, it depends who you hear the story from, but perhaps after a while, a little less time was spent playing video games, a little more time spent chatting or, or hanging out with Jill. And, you know, over time, I think I eventually wore her down that she was okay with spending a little more time with me too. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of how we, we met. And, uh, so she was, yeah, she was a few years younger than me, but, um, she went off to college afterwards and and made her way through college. And then, um, we got married after she was, uh, completed her time in school and in May of 04. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, we we were talking a little bit about it earlier this evening because I told her this was going to be on the podcast and just kind of chuckling about some of the stories and, and things that happened over the years, but, uh, just, fun to look back and share those stories and think about, you know, God's providence through it all. And to see her now being such a great mom to our boys and just a a wonderful woman. uh, It's just a, it's a blessing. So. Betty's such a good husband. He talked to her about it before the podcast. So yeah, see, I avoided it at all costs because I didn't want to hear the story that I was supposed to tell from Jed. He told tonight. So that's why I didn't bring it up. (laughs) So Ben, so Ben, did you guys date at all in high school or college? Yeah, so I was in college. She was in. She was just finishing up high school, and we started dating. Yep, we did. You just got off a a, a breakup, right? At when you got into your freshman year, right? Into your freshman. I did, year. Don. Yep, that's yep, true. Yeah, I remember you crying away in my in my dorm room. You were a mess. Well, oh none word. of that's really changed. I'm always still the emotional one, and Jill's the rock. She holds it all together, and I'm the emotional one. So, you know, I, I'm I always am quick to quick to shed a tear by comparison. Yeah, Matt, do you remember that? We I was we me and Matt were rooming together, and and uh, Ben would come down, and I remember we'd have a uh, Petra praise cranking in the background. <laughs> no and, doubt. Uh, and, no uh, doubt. And old Benny would come in and start pouring his pouring his heart out about some girl he just got got just dumped him. Oh, it was great. <laughs> great, great story, Don. <laughs> wow. Can we can we mute can we mute Don maybe for a little while? <laughs> Oh, no, no, this is good. I'm no, ready to right. He's all I'm, warmed up for you. I'm buckled up. I'm I'm double I'm double not double masked. I'm double buckled for this one. <laughs> so I'm ready. <laughs> Ryan, we'll let you uh we'll let you share. Double masking is the way to go, as you guys have been hearing lately, I'm sure. Anyway, I digress. Well, uh 
I guess my my story with with my wife began about 17 years ago. I uh, was actually living in Georgia at the time, and I went over to my friend's house, just just hanging out, not much going on. And he said, "Hey, why don't you check out this uh, this Christian site uh, online? Uh, you can meet people on." And you know, I, I wasn't thinking oh, I'm going to hop on here and find a relationship or anything like that. But I, I I did. I hopped on just to check it out and just kind of scrolled, looked at people, and came across this attractive gal. And you can look, you can look to see if they're online, and then it gives you all of their profile information. So if you're a member, you can look at all their profile, like hobbies and what kind of college, and do you, do they drink? What kind of music do they like? And I'm like, wow, every one of these profile options is a match for what I'm looking for. It's remarkable. It's like 15 to 20 options, and um, she was online. That, at that moment. So I just shot her a note. Now, remember, I'm, I'm in my friend's account. So I'm not even who the screen says I am, <laughs> which is pretty funny. So, so oh, I forgot that part. I forgot I, that part. <laughs> I send her a note and I'm like, hey, um, it, is it by chance that the college you're from? Because it said Bible College in Missouri. And of course, I came from a Bible college in Minnesota. I said, is it Calvary? Are you from Calvary? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I am. I said, oh, that's interesting because I'm actually looking at going to uh, work there. I was going to go help uh, coach a basketball team there um, that coming year. And she said, oh, really? I'm, I'm thinking about going there too. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I said, you know, maybe we'll just keep in touch and I'll, I'll see you down the road at some point in time. Because at that time, she was interested in a guy from Florida. So she was living in Oklahoma. Her, her eyes were on a guy from Florida. And I, I was, like some of you mentioned, just getting off a relationship. I was pretty jaded about relationships at that time. But the fact that she was looking at the same college that coming year that I was looking at, which was her alma mater. And then she also told me she was applying at the same Christian school where I'd end up being a teacher. Clearly, the Lord was at work here. And I, I mean, what are the chances of that happening? So we we kept in touch. I had Don's buddies uh, Sergio and Boris take care of the guy in Florida, and so he was he was out of the picture. And uh, so I came up to interview. I think it was April of 2004 for the job at the Christian School. She drove up from Oklahoma to meet me in Kansas City. So we went out on a date that night. I. Uh, Sitting across the table, I was kind of looking at her. I'm, I paid her a compliment. I said, "Hey, you know, you kind of look a lot like me." And she said, um, "That's a well, compliment." Time <laughs> out. What? How in the world did you wrangle this poor woman to say yes to you? What in the name? Cheat codes. Cheat codes. Yeah, I've been asking that same question. Down, down, left, right, left, right. Seriously, what? So yeah, I I I threw it out there just to see how she responded. That she she could have totally been understood to get up and walk away at that time, right? I mean, who who wants to hear that? So anyway, went went okay. So we went out again the next night. Uh, after that, we went to the gym and shot some baskets and we, we sat down and talked about, you know, future aspirations, things like that. She actually saw a shooting star that night, which is another sign from God that, hey, Aaron, this is this is the guy you're supposed to be with. I, I know. I know all of you guys are thinking, hey, come on, come on. This is getting a, a bit too much. But there were so many signs pointing in this direction. So we both moved to Missouri that summer, uh, 2004, and started dating. We got engaged a few months later in January. 
and we got married in June of 2005. So I just, I just, for those young folks listening, I just want to share a couple of things that I've learned in my life uh, regarding uh, relationships. Number one, as my friend, brother Shetler would say, don't look for the right one, be the right one, and you'll find the right one. That's in his seven steps to perfect dating. All right. So I, I clearly, I'm not going to say I was the right one. I have a long way to go. And I certainly did for the years leading up to that point in time. But it, it's like the Lord had to get me to a certain place in my life where I was ready for this relationship. Uh, number two, clearly living in a, in a virtual world, even more so nowadays, um, you meet folks that you normally wouldn't. And for those of us who come from a more conservative background, maybe we don't frequent bars and clubs, we don't meet as many people. Um, so you always have to have prudence when talking to people online, but that is a viable option if you can verify things. And Aaron's dad was able to verify I was a legitimate person because we actually both knew our, our friend, Adam Taylor. So Aaron knew Adam previous previously, and he could vouch that I'm a, I'm a legitimate human. And then the third thing I want to share is that uh, for my for my young listening friends out there, it is okay to wait until you are older to get married. Some of the folks you've already heard talk uh, said they got married right after college, and, and that was that was common. That's that's a nice thing to do if you find that mate around the time of Bible college, which is a mindset there at Bible colleges, get married right away. That's great, but some of us need a little more time to mature and to gain a little bit more responsibility. And that's just fine. And so I'm, I'm thankful that I was able to get a little bit more life experience and mature a little bit more. And I think I was 20, 28 when I got married, which was a few years past some of you guys. So anyway, that's my story. And thanks for letting me uh, expound a little bit. Holt, was number four, you have to wait for a shooting star on a date? Yes, that, that helped. I mean, that helped. Kind of like when the Lord talked to Abraham about all the stars and all the sand. Uh, there's, a, there's a parallel there, I think. Yeah, and the star guiding shepherds to, uh, you know, baby <laughs> Jesus. I, I, I just, I'm not following that star thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, number five. That, that's number a bunch f- of hooey. Yeah, Don, go with five. What is yeah, it? Number five, number five is make sure you don't meet your gal in a in a in a watering hole and make sure she's not a lady of the night. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I could not agree more. Do we need number to have a six? <laughs> yeah, please number go six. Ahead. I think it's good when you pay a woman a compliment not to mix up the compliment of of it being after sixty years of marriage. Like after sixty years of marriage, I think is when you say that we've grown to be look so much like each other and be like each other. Not the first time you meet someone. I can't believe you insulted her first just to see how she would take it. I know. I know. What kind of dating are you playing? Exactly. That just shows you. It was a risky move, right? It was a risky move. And I I thought, well, give it a shot. See how it goes over so she can kind of understand. Because sometimes, you know, if you're talking to somebody for the first time and they don't really get who you are, it it, it could be a problem. And so if I didn't show her a little bit of my zaniness right then and there, let's just get it out in the open right now. Well, zany. Zany. Zadie's putting it lightly for coming back. It's an understatement of the year. And right. uh, this is a funny story. I got a funny story about, about Aaron because um, when remember we first met Aaron when you came up to our uh, our place. Uh, we, I had all you guys up there. And this is where I, I think where I uh, put up the idea for the Dynasty League. I brought Oh, that yeah. I remember that. Right? Mm-hmm. And all you guys had brought your gal pals with you. And um, and. And yeah, Aaron comes walking in and we're like, you know, we could, we knew that you just met this girl and, and we're like, okay. And, and I remember 
that night, um, Jen asked me, she's like, wow, Aaron's amazing. And I was like, she's like, where did she come from? I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. I think, I think, I, I, I remember saying, I think, I think Ryan just met her on the, off the internet. He picked her up on the way up. So I have no idea who this guy is. There's no way she's going to stay with him. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Supreme confidence. <laughs> there's, there's no way. She's, I've never heard that before. <laughs> that is remarkable. Oh man. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. To, to this day, I, I still wonder how God orchestrated all that. But uh, uh, yeah. So I, I, I kind of agree with you, Don. It is, it is a bit, a bit amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord had the right one for me. Even though going through college, after college, I had a lot of doubts about. I think Ethan, you and I had a contest, right? Who was going to get married the last? We we had discussed that possibility. Although I was pretty confident I was going to win that one, uh, especially as you were burning through the rolodex of uh, women on campus. <laughs> That's a nice way to say that. E. Oh, yeah. the question yes. is: Were there what what was in higher abundance, doubts or dolls, for Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, he didn't date a lot during the two years that we were that we were roommates after college. I do agree with uh, much of what you guys have shared in in just a uh, in just how looking back at even things like meeting our spouses, um, God's sovereignty, and in bringing them into our paths, whether it's online or at the locker next door, um, just being such a remarkable testament to just his plan um, and his and his good provision for what our needs are uh, in terms of who we need, um, who he desires to gift us as a means of grace, as a means of, of shaping and growing us. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful for that in the same way that you guys are. Um, yeah, so I, I did get married a good bit later than all of you guys. I guess, Ryan, you said 2005. So I decided to make sure that there wasn't any discrepancy or discussion or debate over the uh, the winner of that. And that's why I waited a good number, almost six years after Ryan, uh, before I got married. So I'm the, the newlywed of the group at nine years and um, uh, four months, I guess now. But um, yeah, my wife and I, my wife, Michelle and I met um, in, in kind of a unique circumstance. Um, and the story kind of starts about two years before Michelle and I even met. Uh, and I got set up on a blind date with a girl at the time I was living in Charlotte. Um, this girl that I got set up on a blind date with was in Raleigh and we had a mutual friend who introduced us and, uh, we talked on the phone. Her name was Amber. We talked on the phone a few times, went out on a couple of dates. I drove up to Raleigh a couple of times to go out on a date. And we both realized at the third date, we both came to the third date with the intention of telling each other, Hey, this isn't going to go anywhere. We're just not that interested, but it's, it's more of a friend, like a brother and sister kind of thing. Um, and so we both started laughing while we were in dinner as we both kind of initiated that conversation with each other. Um, but ironically, uh, in a way that I can only explain as God's providence, um, we both said, hey, we, we like each other as brother and sister. We, we, let's be friends. Um, and so I don't know how often that happens where you get set up on a blind date with someone in a city three hours away who you decide to just, quote unquote, be friends how often you ever talk to that person again, I, I can't imagine is very often. But Amber and I did maintain a friendship. And so we would talk on the phone whenever I would come through the Raleigh area for work, we'd get coffee or, or something for about two years. Uh, until one day, I get a phone, I get a text message from Amber. Uh, and she says, Hey, how are you? I hope you're doing well. She said, just so you know, um, I am having dinner with your future wife. 
And that, that took me off guard a little bit, as you can imagine. I thought she was teasing. And so I, I sent her a sarcastic message back, which our, our friendship from the beginning has been very sarcastic. As you guys know, I can be pretty sarcastic, uh, but she's even more sarcastic than I am. And so our, our friendship was very sarcastic with each other, teasing and things. And so I sent her a message back and said, ha ha, um, well, I guess I better meet her then. And she responded with another text message immediately. No, all caps. No, I'm serious. This girl's perfect for you. Um, and so I thought, well, I, I trust Amber a lot. I think I think a lot of her character and she knows me. Um, so I, I said, well, I, I'll, I'll go out on a date with anyone. And so she helped connect me with Michelle's phone number. Um, and so we started talking on the phone, went out on a date. Um, it took me... Uh, probably after a couple dates, I, this this is the way that I would characterize our our dating relationship. And in many ways, I'm thankful for how God used it to shape me and and grow my trust in Him. But after we had gone out on a few dates and talked on the phone for four or five weeks, I told Michelle I thought she was great and that I really wanted to to date her and not date any any other people. And her response was she kind of looked at me sideways and said, "Thank you. I needed to hear that." but I'm not quite ready for anything like that yet. And uh, <laughs> she said, but I, but I want to get to know you better as friends. And uh, so I decided, well, I'm not going to, I'm old enough now not to be uh, dissuaded by, you know, a rejection of that kind. And so I said, well, when you say friends, what does that mean? Um, does that mean friends that never talk again and you don't want to see me? Or does that mean friends that I can still call and we can go out on a date? And she said, oh, the latter, that'd be fine. And so, um, so we went out probably for another three months before we decided or before she was ready to, she knew me enough to, to date. And then it was about another three or four months after that, that I came to the point of telling her that, that I loved her and that I wanted to marry her. Um, and I told her that and said, you may not be in the same place. That's okay. Take your time. And she cocked her head to the side again and said, thank you. I needed to hear that, <laughs> uh, but I'm not ready for that. I'm not there yet. And, uh, and so that, that, that's a, that's a running joke for our, uh, for our relationship. Uh, but thankfully in God's grace, she did eventually get to that point. Uh, I wore her down over time, uh, had to work hard, but she's well worth it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm thanking God for, I guess, almost 10 years, um, with her now. And, um, it just gets sweeter every year. So I'm thankful for the way that God uses her to refine me as I know you guys are for your wives as well. So, well, thanks. Thanks for sharing, guys. That's that's fun to take a little time here uh, on Valentine's weekend and just celebrate what God's done, cast our minds back just to remember. I know it, it helps me to remember uh, and to be thankful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. The time has come. started last week a little differently and uh, it was a big hit. I think uh, people had fun except for Ryan. So that must have been good. So so we're going to keep going with it. We're going to be doing initials again. So let's uh, review the rules again for Ryan. Contestants are given clues to eight items, which pe- can be people, places or things. Each of the eight items have the same set of initials. Contestants are given up to six clues for each item. The first person to ring in with their name is allowed up to five seconds to answer, and they can ring in at any time during the progression of clues. 
If they are correct, they get one point. And if they are incorrect, they may no longer guess for that particular item and the clues continue and other players are allowed to ring in. The winner of the initials is whoever gets the most points. If there is a tie, we do have a three clue tiebreaker, which is also going to use the same initials. And are you guys ready? All right. So the initials for uh, tonight, the initials for tonight are S P S P item number one. First clue first came about in the late 1700s and early 1800s. Clue number two. In 1589, Sir Walter Raleigh introduced its main ingredient to its country of origin. Clue number three. A St. Patrick's Day tradition. Clue number four. Earliest forms of this item contained mutton. Ben. Go ahead, Ben. Shepherd's pie. That is correct. Wow. My goodness. Ben's off to his continuing hot Shepherd's start. Shepherd's pie for St. Patrick's Day? I, I I don't think I made that connection before. St. Patty's Day? Oh, yeah. It's Irish. It's for Irish, Irish, Shepherd's right? pie? Yeah. I'm more like a corned beef guy. I guess Shepherd's <laughs> pie. <laughs> well, it is, usually, right. it is usually made with either beef or lamb. You kind of tripped me out. That first clue was like started in 1700s or 1800s. And then like clue number three was like in 1573, you know? Yeah, I got to throw you off there. Martin Luther (laughs) nailed it to the wall at, you know, whatever. Like, wait a sec. I thought it came about in the 1700s. I was tripping. That was good. All right. Item number two, SP. Clue number one. Born in July of 1956 and graduated from Crawford High School in San Diego. Clue number two. Referenced by Charles Schultz in his Peanuts comic strip. Clue number three. Recorded commercial jingles for Juicy Fruit Gum. Clue number four. Signed with Singspiration Records in 1979. Go ahead, Ryan. Sandy Patty. That is correct. What? No way. Yeah. Good job, Brian. Thanks, man. What, the, what, what did you get on clue? that last one? Or yeah, exactly. Which one? Well, I started trending musically when he said the previous jingle. Well, I couldn't. But then once once there was a Christian reference, I went with the SP that I knew. Uh, the, the peanuts, the peanuts one. I that no clue. I mean, that didn't help yeah, at all. Well, Charles Schultz, the the peanuts author, basically wrote peanuts. Originally, as a, I think it was a comic strip for adults 
but it was so well received all over the place. But he was the one that made a connection with Coca-Cola to air um, the Christmas special, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. And he he was the one that was brave enough that when Menendez, his partner, was the one that said, hey, should we put the uh, should we put the gospel story in there? And he said, if we don't, who will? And he's the one that put in Luke chapter two with Linus. He's like, that's how we get the gospel to everybody. I love Charles Schultz for that. Awesome guy. But Sandy Patty, you know, close second. <laughs> she's amazing. I, I think she's. I didn't realize that that was a connection, though. Wow. As far as, my, as far as I'm concerned, she's the best female female voice I've ever heard live in, in concert. She's it, incredible. Aaron would agree with you, Don. Oh, man. She, I mean, I, I understand what it means when you're hanging on every note. But that's what I think of when I think of when I hear somebody say that. Sandy Patty, yeah, she's amazing. Item number three. So we got Ben with one, Ryan with one. Clue number one. Invented by Utah native Robert Edwards. Clue number two. Available in classic white, bamboo, slim teak, and stylish slim ghost. Clue number three. Accumulated 8,000 positive testimonials and a 74% five-star rating on Amazon. Developed a cult following from uber enthusiastic users who claimed it changed their bathroom habits. Clue number five supports the claim humans are designed to do this rather than sit. Jeremy. Go ahead, Jeremy. Squat position. I'm sorry, that's not correct. I'm I'm clue number six. It creates a tighter angle between the thigh bone and the pelvis, which gives you more oomph for pushing. Matt. Go ahead. What is squat pad? Nope, no, nope, I'm afraid that's not it. <laughs> At least he asked it in the form of a question for whatever that's worth. <laughs> Anybody else? Four, three, two, one. The answer is squatty potty. Ah! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> never, never heard of it. You've never heard of squatty potty? Never. Right. Oh, you never need to get that. Either. I, I well, now that we've do. said it, it'll trend on your Facebook, so you're good. <laughs> All right, so no one gets that point, so we still have Ben with one and Ryan with one heading into item number four. Clue number one. Began his professional career playing arena football for the Chicago Bruisers. Clue number two. Member of Eastern Illinois University Hall of Fame. Clue 
number three. In 1997, landed the quarterback's coach with the Philadelphia Eagles. Clue number four. Ethan. Go ahead, Ethan. Sean Payton. That is correct. Ooh, good job. Yep. Wow. Worth a risk. Yeah, Sean yep. Payton. Good work. What position? What was your first clue? He began his professional career playing arena football for the Chicago Bruisers. In what position? Uh, I can't remember. I think it the was. The guy is small. I know. Yeah, yeah, I think he was a. I think he played on defense. I don't. I don't Quar- like quarterback or cornerback. One yeah, of I can't remember. Really? Yeah. All right. So we got Ethan with one, Ryan with one, and Ben with one. All right. Item number five. Clue number one. Created in 1970 by Bob Pierce. Clue number two. Headquartered in the U.S. and has opened offices in Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, and Korea. Clue number three. Has helped meet the needs of people who are victims of war, poverty, national, natural disasters, disease, and famine with the purpose of sharing God's love. Jeremy, Ethan. We got Jeremy, I think. Samaritan's Purse. That is correct. Wow. This is tighter than me in an airplane lavatory. <laughs> you, you, you probably could sleep in a lavatory. <laughs> Tiny as you are. <laughs> All right. So we got. Hey, with uh, your love story flying out there, man, tonight is not the night to throw these, you know, cavalier comments out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, why, am I, why am I persecuted all the time? Oh, I mean, I, all I'm doing is showing up. Come on, man. All right. Oh, man. So fun. All right. All right. So we've got everybody with one except for Matt. <laughs> hey, squat pad was close. I would have given him squat pad. I would have given him half. <laughs> if he were the judge, he would have done it for sure. <laughs> All right, close item, enough. Item number six. Clue number one. Originally created by the United States during World War II. Clue number two was taken into lunar orbit by the Apollo 8 astronauts. Clue number three was first marketed towards adults. Bad. Go ahead, Ben. Silly putty. That is correct. What? Wow. Way to go, Ben. Wow. Ben pulls ahead with two. We've got two left, so we're still in play here. All right. Item number seven, clue number one. Born in Hamburg, Arkansas in 19... Ben for the win? Scotty Pippen. That is correct. What? Um, I, What's I, I the th- website? I need to see this. Code. There, there is something. There is something fishy going on here. 
Did you not watch the Last Dance documentary this spring? <laughs> they went through all that stuff on the Chicago Bulls. So, so wow. you remember that Pippen was born in Hamburg, Arkansas? Oh, he went to college at Central Arkansas, so I figured that was close enough. Yeah, he yeah, lines well up played. with SB, I, so yeah. why not? Why not? Dude grew seven inches in college. Yeah. Oh, my. Man. That's a growth spurt. That is a growth spurt. All right. Well, that's it. Ben, wow. has, ben has successfully won both initials games. I like this game. Guys. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's a big smile right there. Are we gonna do the last? Uh, last? Yeah, we can do the last one. Let's do. We got one. I got one more. We got to get. We got to get uh, Matt some confidence going forward here. Seriously. <laughs> All right. Item. Last item. Number eight. Clue number one. Invented in 1894 by George Case. Clue number two. There are two variations. Clue number three. Often used at the end of close games. Clue number four. Typical defense is for the pitcher to throw high. Go ahead, Matt. Squeeze play? That is correct. Wow. Wow. He's on the board. He's on the board. It was was already over. Does that count? Right. Yeah, it doesn't really count, but give him some confidence. Give the the young bucks some confidence. Well, and he had all the rest of us muted, so I don't know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, mercy. Oh, boy. Okay. So this week on Calling Your Shot, we will be talking about one of our favorite topics on the podcast, masking. We have some uh, various views within our group on masking, the effectiveness and such. But I wanted to, uh, there's hope with the vaccines coming out, there's hope that this virus might be, might be waning. So I wanted to see what everybody thought about when will we stop being told to mask. So we're going to make predictions now, and we've got five options. The spring and summer of this year, so spring, summer 21, fall and winter 2021, sometime in 2022, sometime in 2023, or never. And uh, we had some discussion before the podcast started. There are a whole bunch of ideas out there if you turn on the media. So just from what you all can gauge using your, your predictive mind here, what do you say? So let's start with Don. Never. This is never going away. They are going to make us say it. this is going to help us solve this issue for for years and years to come it's going to be it's it's awful i can't stand it i think it's terrible 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 you know i think uh, it's it's funny you know i saw a study done uh japan the the people of japan typically wear uh masks not because they have to because they are fearful for the a regular flu and yet the flu numbers for uh japan last year uh were exactly the same as as any other year, they are, that match up with other flu numbers. So uh, it's been proven, I think, that in years past, wearing a mask does not usually work. And I think it also lends to allow people to do things more than what they should. Maybe perhaps gives them a false sense of security. It's also been been 
uh, noted that the reason why uh, medical professionals wear a mask is not necessarily because it helps them. It just helps them feel more confident in what they're doing. So, so Don, question with the with the Japanese study, were they double masking, triple masking or the problematic single masking? Just the just the uh, this was just a single mask. Yeah, I don't think they've they've gone advanced as as double masking. But I mean, who knows? But yeah, I, I think it's just a single mask. That's okay. interesting. So Don is first up and he says we are never going to be told to go into stores again without a mask on. So that's that's a, a scary thought. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I think my number would be sometime in 2022. Hopefully we'll be ready to leave our masks at home. But I think Don makes an interesting point. There are other parts of the world, especially in Asia, where they mask you know, off and on kind of all the time. So is this going to be some kind of permanent change? I don't know. But yeah, my number, my guess would be 2022. I'm hoping even as early as sometime this year, we can start to phase out some of the mandates, but I think it'll still be pretty common practice into next year. All right. Got it. How about you, Matt? What do you think? So obviously I've been pretty close to some of the local experts as far as, you know, with my role you know, being a safety, health and environmental manager. And our, our factory is not shut down this whole time. We've been mandatory masking since May 4th. So uh, I'll be coming up on a year here in just a couple months. And I, th- I think it really is all about the number of the vaccines getting out and uh, the confidence level. I think it's all going to be on the numbers and you can skew the numbers however you want. I do believe by the end of this year, uh, there will be a, um, again, you'll find pockets, but I think the overall mask mandate will will go away. Um, I think you'll have more vaccine makers coming out, a more abundance of that. And it sounds like, you know, summer to maybe early fall, it, it, when people want vaccines, they'll be able to get them, be able to walk up and get them anywhere. Um, so I, I really believe that. And I'm really hoping for that. I, I, I do not. I think the toll it's taken in communication and, and just you know social stuff is is astronomical. Um, and at the, again, the, the kind of the fear mongering with this is, is just taken to a whole new level of control and power. And yeah, I think it was certainly good to start. We didn't know what enemy we have, but the more we know, the more precautions we're able to take then we need to match the risk with the, with the precaution. Um, so as the risk goes down, we need to take down all the precautions that are in place too. Okay. Got you down for fall winter of 2021 then. All right, Jeremy, how about you? Yeah. So I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm, I'm with Don. I don't think this is ever going to go away. And, and the reason I'm going to say this is because of how the question was, was posed. When will we be done being asked to mask I don't think that will ever, ever go away. So my premise, uh, the, way I th- the way I'm thinking about this is, okay, so let's say I want to go visit some somebody in the, the um, rehabilitation uh, facility or somebody in a nursing home, somebody in the hospital. Is, is that going to be a standard that is going to be part of their practice educationally, walking into a nurse's office, those types of things? I think at some point, somewhere – uh, whether it's flying somewhere or going to another place, um, coming back into a country, leaving our country, whatever the case may be, there will always be somewhere, sometime that we will have to do this. And I don't think it's ever going away. I think we have set the precedent in several things and and in some ways, maybe good, um, you know, going to a hospital or something like that, uh, going into a hospital room or some some ICU unit. 
uh, we just had um, a friend of mine who was in his uh, late 70s uh, passed away because of COVID. There were a lot of other complications. He's been fighting uh, different things for a long time, but couldn't get over COVID and uh, put on a ventilator and just didn't make it. So because of some of those things, and I think some of the some of the uh, reactions that have set policies, I'm going with never. I, I think there will always be a place where we will uh, either be asked to wear or have to wear a mask. Okay. Wow. Got two two in that camp so far. So that, but Jeremy brings up an interesting point. Uh, you know how you ask the question. So what did you mean by that, Ryan? Being asked to mask was that just like, hey, we would prefer you to do that, or you're talking? I mean, if about you're talking, man- if you're talking mandates, that's a different story. I think there will be some let up on that, as as Ben alluded to. But I think as far as policies are concerned, in some way, I, I yeah. And so Matt asked a legit question. The, the spirit of the question is going to stores. When when are you going to stop being made to wear masks going into stores? I guess that's what I'm wondering. Is that does that still keep you guys the same? I don't know, because you got the, the different store owners will probably have different decisions on that. You know, if the CDC recommends it as opposed to the mandate from the government, I think some might keep that as a requirement. But uh, they're going to increasingly face a lot of pressure if the risk and the numbers don't warrant that level of protection. Yeah, I'm sticking with never. OK. All right. Eth. Yeah, some some interesting thoughts from you guys, and I'm I'm probably aligned a little bit with um, some of what you guys are saying. I, I think there's going to come a day when there is a lessening of the kind of mandate, specifically as it relates to private business, um, because the reality is, I don't think culturally the country can survive another year of similar types of mandates. Um, and specifically, I'm, I'm thinking schools, um, I'm thinking some of the other just institutions of civic um, reality that are vital and, and the impact, the long-term significant impact on kids' social and educational development, um, the long-term impact on mental health. I think even the most hardened political leader has to sooner or later start to realize the toll that that is going to carry and make a decision to say, listen, we've got to back down on this in relation to the exposure and the risk. Um, And is it worth it to hold this value? I think eventually that is going to come. And so I think my my answer is going to be, um, I'm going to split it with Ben and Jeremy, because I think there's a differentiation between private business areas um, that I think we're going to see that start to lessen up. But I agree with Jeremy and Don that I think there will be some elements of masking that at a governmental governmental level will be still expectations, even things like flying, um, you know, some of those things, I could totally see that never changing, uh, that there being some expectations of certain places, government buildings, flying, other things where there's just a little bit less public pressure, so to speak, as, as opposed to areas like grocery stores and, you know, schools and other things that I think eventually some of the extraneous or not extraneous extra impacts are going to come to bear enough that I think people are going to back away from some of those mandates and the, and the vaccine definitely will have a a contributing factor to that too. But 
but I do think there will probably be some areas that, that we'll see expectations moving forward. So should I put you down for 2023? I'll, I'll say, I'll say based on your question, I'll say, put me down for Ben. I think, I think we'll see a lot of things start to lift next year, but I do think that there will be some areas that we won't lose. Yeah. Okay. Well, I uh, am one of the advocates of masking, but I, I really don't enjoy doing it. So I'm I'm hoping Matt is right. I hope by the end of this year, uh, there will be a lot less folks asking us to mask. But I, I, in my mind, I think 2022 is probably the best bet. So I'm I'm going to go with 2022. So I'll join Ethan and Ben uh, in that because I I'm just tired of it. I mean, I, I have, I wear two masks and my glasses fog up my sunglasses, my prescription sunglasses fog up even worse. I, you know, I, I it's funny. I was sitting in the car after church today and, um, sitting in the car and I, I've looked at other people in their cars with masks on before. I'm like, why are you wearing your mask in the car? But here I am warming the car up, waiting for the rest of my family to come out. And I've still got my mask on and I'm just thinking, when, when are my glasses going to unfog so I can see to drive? And I, I, I'm battling this in my mind. Aaron comes in the car and says, you know, you're in the car, you can take your mask off. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah thank you. That's a good, that's a good reminder. So yeah, I, I, I hope it's 2021 by some, by some miracle, but it's, the experts are split. I've heard some say this pandemic will end. Others will say, I can see this being eight to 10 years long and or something we're going to live with the rest of our life. So how do we respond to that? I don't know, but hopefully the masking ceases soon. So with that, well, I, yeah, do, go ahead. I, I did have to laugh this week. Uh, you guys will, I think you guys will laugh at this, but I, I saw online um, a news report that said students at Cal Berkeley were recently informed that they are no longer allowed to go outside of their dorm to have solo exercise. They're not allowed to go outside and go for a walk or a run, even if they're masked by themselves because of COVID precautions. And they are only allowed to go outside their dorm room twice a day to get food for lunch and dinner and to get in the cafeteria and then bring it back to their dorm room. Like they're, they don't eat it anywhere. They have to eat it in the dorm room. And I, and I say that because it's, it's just preposterously funny, but it's also the sad reality. And I think the reality is people just aren't cut out for this. They're not cut out for isolation. We're not cut out for it. And the, the implications on our society and culture and the mental health of people, we're going to be feeling this for a decade. Yeah. Um, and, and it's going to get worse if it doesn't change soon. Well, Ethan, I want to ask you, though, because you said in your earlier statement that politicians are going to recognize this and have to do something about it. But have you seen our politicians lately? (laughs) Yes, but I also know that I've not yet met a politician who does not have at least one finger stuck up in the air reading the winds of of cultural and political you know, persuasion. And if enough people, I I think enough people are going to start to get tired of it and see and feeling like this is not, this is not beneficial. It's not working. It's not worth it for significant parts of our population, the trade-offs and, and enough people will, I think, speak and people will begin to listen because their political lives, I think will be impacted. Just my opinion, but yeah. Well, I think it'll be an interesting, this would be another interesting topic for later podcasts of just the uh, mental um, 
impact this is going to have on our kids in, in the years to come. Because I, I, I just happened to be sitting in on a school board meeting this past week, trying to parents trying to get the school to get these kids back in five days a week. And the stories some of these parents were, were telling of their kids having mental issues, mental health issues, it is haunting me still. And um, it's really scary, really scary. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, I, I've I've been reading and hearing research that's being done throughout the pandemic of high school and college students specifically. And one of the things that just scares me to death is the reality that research that was done pre-COVID, even two, three years ago, the, the rates of anonymous self-reported students who would say that they have suicidal ideation, meaning that they are thinking about how they might take their own life, has, gone, has risen from about 6 to 7% of college students pre-COVID to now it's 28 to 30%, um, depending on the survey. Um, and students not just not just thinking, wow, life is awful and I hate it, hate my life, but actually thinking, what would it be like? Um, and that's a scary thought. Um, and, and there's lots of, I understand there's lots of other implications in why we choose to take uh, precautions to protect people who are vulnerable, but it's not that simple. And I think eventually that's going to come out. Yep. I think you're right. All right. Thanks, guys. We got your uh, answers noted here. We'll turn it over to Ben for Feel Good Story of the Week. Ne- needing something to feel good about right now. All right. Let's 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 lighten the mood a little bit here. So uh, we talked on our last podcast about the GameStop situation, right? We remember that. So one of the cool stories that came out of that was there was a 20-year-old uh, college student uh, from Minnesota who he actually had a payday of about $30,000 off of the GameStop stock situation that happened a couple weeks ago and he took some of those uh some of those winnings or earnings off of the stock and bought um video games uh some nintendo switches and games and all the accessories and donated them to the children's hospital in minnesota and so they estimated about two thousand dollars worth of merchandise he uh, purchased with his earnings and dropped them off to the children's center after he had talked to the hospital staff and they said that was one of the things they could use some more of for the kids that are there, especially for uh, there for a longer term. So uh, really kind of a cool story, a young person, 20 years old, using some of the uh, proceedings from that uh, GameStop situation and, and putting it to good use by helping out some kids in the hospital at the Children's Hospital in Minnesota. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff. All right. Well, it, it has been. Can, uh, I, can I just can I just ask all of you guys? Yeah. Were any of you invested in the stock market at age twenty? <laughs> no, because I'm I'm I wasn't. That's crazy. I mean, I love the fact that these these you know some of these stories are out there. But man, I wish I had somebody kind of pushing that and doing some you know teaching. The personal finance let's, and some of those things at that age. Let's be honest. Did any of us have more money than we needed to just go get a sub at Subway on a Friday night? Not really. Right. I, I was a paper boy and I had about 1100 I I was told to put into a stock and the stock tanked. <laughs> of course. We, what was the stock? It was called Data Map. <laughs> <laughs> so it, did, it didn't do as well as squatty potty huh? 
if, if you guys if you guys ever wonder what happened to me, just think about that. Think about that. I had to and get you're up. The numbers guy. What were you I had thinking? to get up early in the Minnesota winter, risk my life, my fortune to earn a small fortune. Invested in data map, I lost it all. <laughs> that's, wow. hey, boy, we got we got Ben's feel good story of the week, and now we hear another feel good story. Of the week. That's great. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Check. <laughs> oh boy, that's good living. That's good living. Well, this has been a full episode. We kind of recognize it's uh, it's gone a little bit longer, so we're just gonna I'm just gonna take a moment and read the passage that we'll discuss on. Uh, and now episode 25, the next podcast, but it's from Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And it says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. And I think uh, two questions that we'll, uh, we'll wrestle with next time is, how do we crucify the flesh? Is it already done or is it something we need to do? And then it says uh, at the latter part of the passage, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So what does that mean and how do we keep in step with the Spirit? So uh, looking forward to that in the next episode. But that is a wrap on episode 24 on this, the 14th day of February, year of our Lord, 2021. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.